And gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen retrospective right here on planettile.com. I'm John, <laughs> I'm joined with my host Simon Rad, aka new nickname given by the fans of Simon, Mr. Sofa. Welcome back, Mr. Sofa. Yeah, can you guess why? It's an acronym, Sofa. Uh, so awesome. No, what son of a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's perfect for Simeon Red. Guys, if you were here last time, actually, you were also called a creep. And I'll tell you why you was called a creep, because last time we spoke about 1998 Celebrity, and there was a whole section where we kind of fawned over Charlie's Ferron, maybe for a bit too long. It was a nice 10-minute segment about how awesome she was. Well, I say awesome. Simon was focusing on some of her other assets. What do you mean? I was... Okay, first of all, <laughs> welcome to the fucking interrogation hour. First of all, I was complimenting her acting while you were talking about that. And nah, she's just eye candy. Nah, just, this is not a quality performance. I was like, she captured the essence of the character. Are you sure that's what you said? Because I'm remembering it differently. And that shit's recorded on tape now, so... Well, well, because you're the editor. So, of course, you remember it differently. Because you insert shit from previous recordings and all sorts of Frankenstein shit. Yeah. There you go. The selective memory for I'm now deemed our Mr. Sofa. I really like that name. It's actually, it's so corny, so stupid. And you're such an arsehole. It all fits, guys. So It sounds like a damn millennial t-shirt. Fits perfectly for you, Mr. iPhone 10. Anyway, guys, you see, on this retrospective, me and Simon, we take jabs at each other, as well as talk about the Woody Allen movies. We're so far in the retrospective now. We're right at the end of the 90s. We're going to do a special one today. But before we get to that, guys, do not forget... We've got a playlist of all the previous movies, guys. Don't forget, we've got the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com. All of these discussions are spoiler discussions by your host right here, your casual Woody Allen fans. And we're going to continue with the next one that, to be honest with you, I almost forgot. And Simon, actually, last week, he actually said, hey, let's not forget about this one. Very special element in the filmography. And you know what, Simon, you're right. So don't blame me for the sidestep. This week, it was Simon's idea. So, Simon, why don't you tell us what we're getting into this this week that the people don't already know by looking at the title? Well, once again, to clear up the confusion, I just technically said, I hope you dumbass didn't forget <laughs> about one movie. I didn't say we have to do it, but Shut here up. we are yet again. So, still in 1998, and this is the first animated movie on the list. And only. And only, so far, anyway. But most likely, yes, which will... We get into the reason for that in a bit. But a special one as well, because this is the number two CGI animated movie ever made, at least on the big screen. Basically, the follow-up or riding right on the tail of Toy Story. And it's called Ants or Ant Z, if you get the pun. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's, let me get into that right now. You know, Simon, I, you got this talent. You see, Simon's one of those motherfuckers, yeah? When he wants to... When things need to be conveniently explained, like, for example, he's a big Xbox, Xbox motherfucking fanboy. He will make up any excuse for Microsoft. They can do no wrong. He's got every excuse under the sun. But if you're talking Sony or Nintendo or any other, or Sega, this guy's got 
every fucking bullet against them. So I yo, just yo, not to derail the conversation, but you're you're telling me this while being surrounded by how many abibos? You look like a de- de- one of them damn horror movie villains with all them dolls around you. Like, fair enough. You just called it abibos, and it's called amiibo. So you've again, you've just shown your you know your neglect for everything other than Microsoft once again. But guys, we do digress. What I'm trying to say is. It's called Ants, motherfucker, okay? You're looking into this shit. Nah, it's, it's called... It's no, 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 Z. no. The, the main character's name is Z. So it's like a pun. Because it's not only Ants, as in plural, but also as in Ant Z, meaning just another Ant, as in A, B, C, D, you know, X, Y, Z, like last on the list. But at the same time, it's his story. And the moral of the story is that one Ant can make a difference. And let me let me just get on with the damn summary before we get into another segment about some bullshit. Go on. Basically, if you wouldn't guess from our little title discussion, this animated movie focused on the values of individualism and speaking up for yourself and believing that you can be whatever you want, despite maybe society dictating to you otherwise. So we open up with a very Woody Allen opening. You can see why they got him for this character of this and Z. Get it? Get it? Talking to his therapist and talking about uh, he feels like his life is pointless and he's just one of the many and he feels uh, such a large ant colony being surrounded by millions and millions of identical worker ants where he was determined by birth that he has to be a worker because you're either a worker or a soldier. Then he feels kind of insignificant and his therapist's answer is that this is a breakthrough. You're absolutely right. You are insignificant. And that's kind of the general tone of his life. So basically, the end colony is a mixture of, uh, I guess, old-school European monarchies, Russian dictatorship, and uh, I guess the Roman Empire. The plot is what you expect. Most of his days go absolutely normal, and it's pretty mundane, aside from hot-ass working colleague who's a cute girl, and his best friend who's a soldier and but they've been childhood buddies played by Sylvester Stallone. By the way, this is a proper Woody Allen movie because the cast is once again phenomenal. I mean, you have Gene (laughs) Ackman, um, you have Christopher Walken in there somewhere. Most of the people actually Woody Allen worked with before, Sly Stallone, Sharon Stone, and Christopher Walken, he's actually worked with all three of them before, which is a really... Yeah, yeah. Sly Stallone had a little cameo early on. Yeah. Which was it? Uh, Bananas? Bananas, correct, on the train. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd's in this. Jennifer Lopez, before she was famous, because, little trivia for you, her first album, her first album that got recognition anyway, uh, on the 6th, came out the following year, 1999. So this is this is once again a Woody Allen introduction, a Woody Allen first. I don't know how much you know how big of a hand he had in the casting, but mm. it's like a Woody Allen cast basically. I do believe that when you look behind the scenes, this movie, it does feel like this is an animated movie crafted around Woody Allen. And you know what, Sam? Yeah. And before we get started. Guys, I actually want to play a clip for you guys. I sent this to Simon, so we, I can't play it and you can do it at the same time. Let me insert this clip because I want you guys to hear something about Woody Allen and his, um, well, just a funny little anecdote about him and this movie moving forward. Obviously, you're not just a writer, you're an actor. And before that, you were a stand-up comedian. What's the process of reading on tape or on audio like? Is it, is it, does it, is it like any of those uh, talents, or does it require a different kind of talent? You know, I thought it was going to be a breeze. I wrote these pieces, 
sit down and, you know, uh, I don't have to memorize anything and I just read them. But I can only liken it to years ago I was assured that the easiest movie job I would have was to be the cartoon voice of an ant. And they said, all you have to do is sit in the sound studio and just read these things and we'll put it in the mouth of the ant and you just don't worry about it. Well, that's what they promised me. But when I went in, I found it one of the hardest jobs I ever had and I never did it again. <laughs> so another <laughs> another behind the scenes Woody Allen <laughs> revelation that oh, apparently I, why am I not surprised why am I not surprised yeah apparently this was a, such a hard task for him and I look man I tried to find out more of what he was going on about maybe he was being a over perfectionist with the voice performance I think that was it to be from what I ascertained but you know before we even get started I do want to say this because this is an animated movie you would think that me and Simon can't dig into a lot of things because there's a lot more themes that's wrong this might actually be a longer discussion than you might think because again I do think this movie was crafted around Woody Allen and even though it's a children's movie a lot of the themes are the things Woody Allen would do in his films it's just that because it's an animated film they have to tread very lightly. It's very much watered down. But when you think about animation today with things like fucking, uh, what was that Seth Rogen? Sausage the... Party. Exactly, Sausage Party. Where they even had like a Woody Allen character in there played by, uh, was it Ed Norton? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking that, wow, man, even when I was watching the movie, Woody Allen was pushing a lot of the same jokes he's done before and he would have taken them further like he's done in his other movies, but he couldn't because of animated movies. So... Let me start by saying this as a negative. My biggest problem with the movie is that I don't think Woody Allen could really take the comedy to where it really needed to, to go. It's unique for what it is, but still it's like, it's kind of, I don't want to say tepid, but it's kind of easy going with his comedy. It's just, eh, it's funny, but you know, if you're a Woody Allen fan, you would, you know where he wants to go with his jokes, but he has to rein it in. And because of that, you watch it and you're like, it's okay, but you know Woody would have went a little bit further and a little bit more raunchy with the jokes. But for what it is, it's fine. Well, I, I don't know. It felt, felt to me like they tried to push it because at one point in the introduction scene to Sly Stallone's character, I think he even cusses a bit. He says, quit your bitching or quit your yeah. bickering. Yeah. But I was like, did he say, just say bitching? It was very close. You know, something no, you would did. never see nowadays. In, uh, yeah, he did. He did say that, didn't he? Did. He? he did. One, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. They were pushing it. And it's hard because it's when 2017 and animation is, you know, Rick and Morty and all this Adventure Time, Adult Swim. So much animation's pushing the boundaries now. Even, to be honest with you, even Disney, they get away with some more risque jokes than they would back in the day. And... Look, the first time I watched this movie back in the day, I thought it was great. Watching it now, I just felt like it was held back and I can't really fault the movie for it. It's just that the comedy, the comedic sense would have been better if they couldn't hold back. But what can you do? Well, I mean, I got a lot of positives to say, but I just want to get that negative out of the way first. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, the movie's biggest drawback, it's ambition. Yeah. Because, you know, you're right. It was a cra crafted around Woody Allen because a lot of the plot after our, you know, if a little introduction it's basically uh of love and death you know it, yes it, exactly. it, it, it's very similar yeah it is. basically she meet he meets the princess who is bound to marry some douchebag general and uh 
to see her again, he switches places with Sly Stallone to become a, a you know, a warrior and a soldier and for a day. But he gets wrapped up in this conspiracy and he gets shipped off to war and he becomes the accidental hero. And then the movie actually has a lot going on because besides the political intrigue and the mm-hmm. commentary about, you know, everybody says one end is expendable. The only thing that matters is the colony. And he becomes like this by accident, this uh, icon of um, a revolution and the worker ants start striking. That's just a warm up because then they, him and the princess have to run away and discover that, oh, in this universe, actually, there are humans. There is a world out there. So it goes on to another whole adventure, which could have been a movie on its own. I mean, nowadays, yeah. that would have been a, a whole movie of j- yeah. just them exploring the real world. world like um, To me, there was even a religious aspect to it because, you know, paradise and finding the forbidden Oh, yeah, yeah, and- a little bit of a, a little bit of an atheist joke where they're like, oh. This is like, a, I forgot what, an insect, insectopia Insectopia, or something yeah. like that. That's it, exactly. And then it turns out to be just <laughs> just, a, just a damn trash can, you know, with a bunch of 90s stereotypes, stoner, you know, unemployed losers. Like, yeah, yeah. what was that? What was that Mike Myers character, you know, from that movie with uh, Tia Carrera? I cannot remember. <laughs> oh, come on. It was a classic. Not Wayne's World, right? Wayne's World, that's the one, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, see, see, you should remember. You're a bit older than me. I was like two. No, I just couldn't, the character, couldn't remember the character's name, but he hasn't done a lot of films anyway. But let me talk about the things I really like, because honestly, if you're going to do an animated film, the first thing you should get right is animation. And I have to say, man, what was it, 1998, it was only 20-something years later, I think the animation, the character design is very clean. And it looks really good. It's a little bit dull, color-wise. The color, the color's a little bit dull, but everything outside of the ant colony, when they get out to the, you know, the greenlands, the water, and actually the actual the ants themselves, they look really well. And I know it was DreamWorks Animation that did it. I actually think the animation is very good for the time, and I think it still holds up today. Yeah, um, I mean that's going back to the point of the movie being being super ambitious. I felt like all the separate parts are top-notch. The cast is great. Voice acting is solid. The music's very good. The animation is very good. The only thing that really is a problem that the different pieces, because they're pushing the boundaries so much, like this is the second movie after Toy Story. It's very fresh technology. You know, it's very innovative for the time. It doesn't gel together as well. It doesn't come together as well because they're doing these things for the first time and there's no blueprint Mm. so like i can understand why woody was probably very stressed because he's a perfectionist and when the movie started it was closer to a video game cutscene than an animated film because the the voice the way it syncs up with the character was a bit off to me like Mm. you know you don't usually notice that in animation rather it's old school 2d a new 2d animation or you know 3d which is the standard now of cgi animation you you just accept it for what it is it kind of just works but i still see i still see worse than this today though that's the funny thing no no no. when something's actively bad yeah you see it yeah you know i mean this movie was very good it's just they were they had to push the boundaries, so they were in untouched territory. Yeah. So a lot of it is experimental, but you can see real ambition in some of the scenes that are very creative. Yeah. You know, I just to name a few things when they're stuck in the bubble, you know, the water bubble, I thought that was really great. That was actually like a trailer shot that really sold the movie. And even watch that today, I really, just the concept of them not being strong enough to even push in or get out of the bubble 
because you know against their size scientifically i think it actually makes a bit of sense i've actually seen ants stuck in water so i'm like you know what that's actually a point of perfection of them you know attention to detail that i actually really thought was clever as well as the part as you were alluding to where you know they go to the the picnic wherever they are and you see this this glass over them and you realize they're getting magnified by a human and just a look, little tribute to akira right <laughs> ah there you, you might as well be yeah there's that there's a bit where even they're stuck to the shoe you know one of the series i love chippendale rescue rangers honey i shrunk the kids there's a lot of these things where you're living in a a minuscule larger than life world because you're shrunk that makes it very adventurous and those have been some of my favorite hey look there was a trailer released this week for a movie called Downsize with Matt Damon, which is about, you know, humans create this technology to shrink themselves and they take advantage because obviously they can make these toy houses and live grander lives. I just like the concept of using, you know, minuscule characters in a, in a world. It actually makes it a bit more adventurous. And like, I, I heard you yawn when I said Chip and the Rex and Rangers, by the way. I love that show. You know what? Pass. Skip. I'm I'm not even going to go there. You know, you 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 enjoy your amiibos. I, I hope they do a crossover with Disney so you can you can get your Chip and Dale amiibos Mr. as well as the collection. Mr. again. Thank you, Simon. But what I wanted to say is that it was a classic plot line. Back in the day, every cartoon had a episode like that, especially in the 80s. Yeah. Everybody got shrunk once. You know, yeah. even the crappy 90s Iron Man show had an episode where you had to usually you got shrunk, and then at some point they injected you in somebody's uh, veins. To, Inner you know, Space, because the whole were... movie called Inner Space with Dennis Quaid. I love that movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's where they got it from. And, you know, you always had to go in and cure the person, you know, either perform surgery or they had a virus and you had to fight the virus. That was like a, a cliche plot line. We want Ant-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Well, that's a lot later, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, I know what you mean, though. It's always popular. I was just saying it's always popular, I meant. Yeah, it's, it's always popular. It's, it's a great visual concept, and it works beautifully for animation. Yeah, definitely. To speak about, like, people are like, okay, so so what's up? What happened to the sequels? Did Woody hate this movie that much? Or what was going on? I mean, the thing with it, this movie is that already controversy, that this came out the same year as A Bug's Life, oh, you know? Oh, God damn it. And honestly, when I was a kid, because I was the target audience for this, right? At least in theory for the animated movie stuff. This wasn't for me, nor was Bugs Life, because mm, mm. I was the type of kid, I, I, li I didn't like these. I probably would have liked this more, actually, because I didn't like family films. I didn't like the music-heavy, joke-heavy, family-friendly, cutesy animation. I like stuff like, you know, Akira, Ghost in the Shell was my favorite. You know why? Cause it had titties, man. I remember the music. Yeah, remember the, do you remember the music video for um, King of My Castle? Where yeah, they used of course. The, yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh, what's this? You know, that, that's the kind of animation I liked. The uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Again, sure, great yeah. movie. So I really wasn't interested in this. I maybe saw a few Disney movies like Pocahontas and Toy Story when I was a kid, and I was like, meh, meh. <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> Exposed you know. Simon, you see? He is so awesome. <laughs> but, but when I got older, I learned to appreciate the more, more family-friendly tones Lies. and the light-hearted nature Lies. that teaches kids. Uh, maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm full of shit. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> point is that I think this movie is a, a much better film than A Bug's Life because it has multiple dimensions. It's actually clever. 
it's not dumbed down for the audience. I think kids can enjoy the different creative set pieces with the ants doing all sorts of all sorts of things where they they roll themselves up to, up to a big ball or they're climbing or especially when they go out in the outside world. Uh, the animators play a lot with size and everything's giant, so they're flying across the air. It's very visually appealing, but also there's a lot of jokes that adults can appreciate and like you said this is like a woody allen movie it deals with the same themes of you know what's your place in the universe the human condition i don't think if you watch this as a parent if you have half a brain you know that you would be bored probably nowadays you would because nowadays everybody seems to be a fucking idiot and they need a damn music montage in the middle of the emoji movie or whatever garbage sony trashes out every year i mean i you know i just um well, first of all, let me go back and talk about why I think this movie was catered to Woody Allen, specifically, just in case people... Are like, what are you talking about? Let me tell you something, man. There's so many flags in this movie that just show you that these guys wanted Woody Allen for his, you know, Hollywoodness, his fame at the time. And the, the movie opens on a shot of a, a New York-type city. That's the first thing you see. And it goes down to him on a, a psychiatrist um, with his therapist classic Woody Allen and his whole first monologue is a typical Woody Allen monologue it ends again with a shot on another New York the same New York type city and it ends on jazz music it ends a shot with New York I mean it has the Twin Towers in there I I wasn't sure 100% so I just was going to give them the benefit of that but either way you know it was that they had jazz music at the end it was his complete vehicle and I will say man Woody Allen as a voice actor for this character I think he did a fine job I mean I know he's an old man and his character doesn't seem to be that old, but I just thought he was fine, and as well as everyone else. And the reason why this is specifically poignant for me, there's another fucking movie that I that you you might have even forgotten about, Simon, that tried to do this exact same fucking thing ten years later, epically failed. Do you know what that movie's called? I don't know. Tell me. It's called a goddamn B movie. You remember that movie? Oh, oh! Even they even got somebody who had like a <laughs> who had like a lawsuit for sexual assault. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, With Seinfeld and your boy Will Will Whiff. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! A B movie didn't that have the the guy who made uh you know um um uh, Birth of a Nation last year? I don't know. I don't actually know if yeah he, because maybe uh, he was, the, maybe. one of the ridiculous things when they. Again, another sidetrack, but they brought up his uh, lawsuit from back in the college days when he was accused of rape. Yeah. And I was like, but this dude made family films for the past eight years. Why didn't you bring it up then? Isn't it more inappropriate to have somebody with that kind of background in a children's film than a movie he self-funded? You know, it was kind of like... We could have a whole conversation about that. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's, I guess, sidetrack. Yeah. You know, fuck this. I no, no, that, this that's fine. But, no, no, that's fine. Let's leave it in there because basically, you're right, but Jerry Seinfeld was the helm for that movie. It was another... Exactly, it's the same kind of concept. The bees are worker bees, serving honeybees. You've got another sarcastic character. You've got a whole stew of Hollywood actors and that movie was fucking terrible. Everyone hated it and I really felt that they were trying to capitalize what Ants did. And that's is way more funny remembered than a B movie, which people absolutely hated. So people remember this movie. I mean, the the thing is, there are some animated films you can't get away from, like The Lion King. You know that that movie gets brought out every you know five years again on whatever format is the most popular, you know, or the newest or the most technically advanced, and it's a big hit. But I never really see DreamWorks really pimping on this movie. Like I said, they. 
they never did a sequel, as far as I'm aware. And I don't know, because the funny thing is that with Woody Allen being, you know, a legend at this point and having, what, 30 plus movies under his belt? Yeah. You want to know how this movie's popularity and gross fares compared to, you know, all the other ones? Because well, we had a bad. Yeah, let's get to that in a minute. I just want to wrap up some other things. We're going we're gonna to leave the best for last. <laughs> but what I do want to say is, look, man, I think this movie is remem- remembered mostly. Going back to something you said before, it's just because there's competition between it and A Bug's Life. And again, Pixar came out of Toy Story, then they came out of A Bug's Life. And at the time... This was the beginning of the Pixar monopoly, the Pixar slash Disney monopoly, where they were the only ones that were meant to be doing really great looking CG. And then again, I think that's why this movie is remembered fondly, because it's one of the early CG movies that is visually very decent. And that's why it's remembered fondly. And it's pit against A Bug's Life. I don't know why, because I hate A Bug's Life. It's so boring. It's such an annoying movie. And Pixar fans do look do look look upon it as the black sheep that and the good Pixar got a bad stinkers that the good dinosaur a few ones but that was one they want to forget the good dinosaur was decent man they hate cars usually cars 2 especially no even cars 2 they sold a shitload of toys it's a shitload of merchandise oh it made that money i just talking in terms of cinematic quality yeah you're talking about critically critically hated but again Bugs Life was critically, financially, it failed on every level. And that's why it is a real black sheep of Pixar's filmography. Ants is just a one-off with a good all-star cast that still looks good. And it's a Woody Allen vehicle. Again, it's not remembered for what it is being a kid's movie, but it's just remembered for being overall decent and somewhat forgettable. So again, I'm not, I was more of a massive fan of this movie before I rewatched it. Now I'm just like, the animation's a standout thing about the movie. Everything else is just like a very super mediocre Woody Allen movie. If you're not a fan of Woody Allen and you watch the movie, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. You might think it's just forgettable or whatever, especially now in 2017. Back then, let's get to the audience scores. Oh, although, although I will say this, maybe uh-huh. nowadays you would have the exact opposite reaction because these days a movie like this in animated form is so rare. You know, we have a lot of adult animation on television. But in sure. terms of the, the big screen, is still like Sausage Party was it. Yeah. yeah. And Sausage Party was kind of dumb for the most part, you know? Mm-hmm. I would say this is a better movie than Sausage Party, except that, you know, Sausage... I can't say the damn sausage stupid party. movie. Sausage Party is crass. Time. Sausage Party. It's, it's, a, it's a very crass movie. It's it it, it got movie. away with more. You know, it got away with more. And they could push it a lot further than this movie did. I mean, that movie's straight up for adults. That's it. I mean, it has the same themes of paradise and escaping, you know, the confined space and the revelation that, hey, all the characters are being conned and then having a deeper real life political message and all that. So they pushed it further. But I'm I'm just saying if somebody puts this on for their kids today, like, okay, this is a kid's film. They were like, oh, I actually get most of the jokes. You know, there's something here for me. This is actually smarter than I thought it would be. We heard Woody Allen in that little clip I played before saying this was the hardest thing he ever had to do was complaining about the movie. I didn't want to forget to ask you this question because a lot of people take these animated roles just for the cash. Yeah, sure. Woody Allen said that, you know, from that little clip, he said it was an easy sale, it was meant to be easy, so he thought it was just the easy thing. Now, I like to think personally that Woody Allen is a very diverse director, a very an actor likes to do different things. And this was one of the times where you thought, what the hell? Let me just try it out. But from your perspective... Why do you think he would want to do this at this time of his career anyway? I don't know. I don't know, to be honest, but I said this before. I always enjoy him in other things. I think the fact that this was an adventure movie just made it more exciting 
and I would have loved to see him do more comedies like this, you know? I really think it was a missed opportunity that he kept making, you know, a movie every single year rather than more collaborations where he True. Yeah. could have been a producer mm. and actually acted a bit more yeah. in something that's more more of an action film or more of an adventure film. I'm not saying, you know, you know be in the next lethal weapon or something like that. I'm just saying switch it up a bit. This is a Woody Allen movie, but it has more more of a grander scale, a sense of adventure, you know, and it really works well for him. So maybe maybe he found it to be an easy avenue to do it while still keeping to a schedule of a movie a year because he didn't have to take a break. You know, he made a movie in 97, 98 and 99 mm. and just uh, squished just in in the middle of it. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, you ask him. <laughs> well, the only thing we can get about him, like all his other movies, when he speaks about them now, is that how they're not good enough, and he's just he's just a moany old git right now. And again, I don't know, man. To be honest with you, if you look at Woody Allen now, he says he does a lot of things because of his kids. He even casts a lot of these younger actors because his kids are fans. He said that he said that publicly in a lot of interviews that Justin Timberlake, all these people he's found over recent years. I'm sidestepping, but I just want to say this could have been another one with that. Hey, my kids are animated movies. I'm very popular. Why not? And that's not that's not a hit against him. And it, it, honestly, yeah, and it's just innovation. Like again, this was a very innovative movie. True, this yeah. was already in production before Toy Story came out. So again, it's just dipping his toes into something that's very innovative in the the film landscape on the film landscape. And just in case you guys are wondering how old that clip is, I added just so you know it was 2015. So it was fairly recent. And when he so he hasn't like that was that. You know, in 2000, now he's changed his mind. He's, he's still, I'll oh, never do that again. And like, it's just also to put it in context, that clip was also from him talking about doing audiobooks. And he just doesn't, he's not <laughs> a fan of narrating, period. So, but anyway, before I got interrupted about 10 minutes ago, let's talk about the audience scores and the critical feedback. I was shocked. I was really shocked. And you are going to talk about the box office after what I'm about to tell you. Rotten Tomatoes score, this is certified fresh fucking highly by high critics. This is one of their most celebrated animated movies and the audience score is very high. So what do you have to say that? Because of Bugs Life, not so much. So I'm not going to say they loved it, but Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, critics loved this movie. They thought it was very, I don't know, maybe I can see why because again, it's an animated movie skewed, it's much more adult, especially in the themes and you know. But I was surprised at the scores. It's in the high eights, and the Rotten Tomatoes gave it a fresh, a certified fresh, which is not just a fresh, it's a very, it's like an accommodation on top of being fresh. So I was like, really? This? Okay. So with the island again, with the accolades. Hey, you know me. I don't care if any about that. <laughs> no, but what I do care about is money. So <laughs> I had a bet with you, because I told you, I told you that I bet this movie is the highest grossing Woody Allen movie oh, man. out of all of them. And what do you know, with $171 million, it's far above everything else. This is Woody Allen's most successful movie. This is the most successful thing he ever did, oh, at least no. in the scale of gross. Now, when you say that, I know people are going to be very upset to say that this is a Woody Allen movie. But to be honest with you, I see this very much as a Woody Allen movie. I know he didn't direct it and he only stars the main character. But honestly, this film was crafted for him. He helms it front to back. And technically, it isn't a Woody Allen movie, but 
shit, man. It is. <laughs> In my opinion, it is. And for him to make, what's the, give us give us the stats. How much did he actually make against this against his other movies? I think uh, the closest one that comes in after this is I can say the movie's name because it's further down the list. It's Midnight in Paris, and that's around fifty fifty six million dollars, I think. And yeah, fifty six. And then Hannah and her sisters, which. I'm still baffled by how much money that movie made or why anybody really likes that movie that much, you know, minus the Woody Allen parts. But that comes in after that around $40 million. You know, I guess that's inflation adjusted. And then, you know, something that's more expected like Manhattan, which yeah. is a, you know, a, a cinematic event. They still play it today. Yeah. We spoke about how there's a contract that you have to show it in Cinemascope whenever you show it, even on television, you know, in that aspect ratio. So that comes in at $39 million and pretty much equal $38 million is Annie Hall, which by critics standard, his best movie. So after that, the list is kind of expected, a little bit of variety, but we're not here to talk about necessarily box office growth. Just, just to be clear, you're saying it's nearly three times the amount of... of oh, it's, it, it, it is far above it. Because keep in mind, other Woody Allen movies... They don't do merchandise or anything like that. So this sure. movie made a lot more money. Mm. I'll tell you that. It probably did a lot better on home video at the time as well. It's a kid's movie. I know people are going to be like, ah, that's the, like you just said, he doesn't market his movies, doesn't care about any of that. He just puts no, the no, movies no. out. And obviously, with the animated movie, it's a shared, you know, you got to pay all these actors. So if you divvy up and deal with the advertising you might you might not see it as such a big win because you know slice alone shaman stone all these other people and the advertising and the merchandise so maybe it's not fair to give it that much accolade because how much is woody actually getting himself of that pie oh i mean sure but it's just it's just funny that it you is. know i think most people adults and even kids who grew up on this and enjoyed the humor probably would really like woody allen's other films but that never happened because he doesn't he doesn't think like that. He doesn't think that this is a vehicle to increase his audience or followership or fan base. So it, it's just kind of ironic how this movie did so much better than anything else he's ever done. Yeah, it is. It is. But uh, it's not all about the money. I know you said that, but it's not all about the money, Simon. It's about the commercial, cri no, the critical, not commercial, the critical feedback, the enjoyment of the peoples. And well, he doesn't, he doesn't care about that either. He doesn't have to to the Oscars. You know, this guy's a record. He, like, in the beginning at any hall, he says, critics are dumb. Like, he actually pulls the, one of the directors out of, in the movie theater line and says, can you can you believe this guy? He's like, no, he knows nothing about my work. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. And in terms of the audience, we all know how Woody thinks about that. He's like, I don't care. They still love I don't him. Care what do you like? They still love him, and he's hey man. He is seventy percent of this movie. He he carries the movie very well, by the way, as a voice actor. I said before, he does well as his character in the movie, and the critics love the movie. To my surprise, I don't think it's remembered as well because there's so much animated movies that have just swallowed it and are more memorable. But hey, man, for his first animated movie, and his only one, he should be happy. And I don't think he should be as bitter as he is about this movie. I think that he's bitter about everything he does, so I don't know. Yeah, exactly. What, it's not, there's no surprise here. But what, what was kind of surprising to me, or not surprising, but I felt like the one actor that should do more of this 
But Sly Stallone, because he was really freaking good in this. I was like, yeah. you're a really good voice actor, you know? You really nailed this character. Well, in the 1970 Copland, he's a very diverse actor as well. I mean, I just He's saw... very underrated because he yeah, keeps he going on about how he... Oh, I got to do action because, you know, I got the voice and I I'm, don't have that much range. But I'm like, whatever you try, you actually do a real gem. Like you said, Copland, most recently in Creed, the first Blood movie... Yeah. Uh, Nighthawks is a great underrated Sly Stallone film again so he has some real gems under his belt but he was another highlight for me he was good R really really good like his voice was just very smooth and just he was the first guy despite the animation limitations in terms of like nowadays they can do facial mapping uh, you know you can actually do some mocap and all that stuff to make the animated character look even closer to the actor. Back in the day, you just really had to draw somebody who kind of looked like Sly Stallone. But he was the first act that I could just completely see the character. I didn't think about the actor doing the voice. Yeah, I was just like, this is a character. You know, th this is the actual character. You know, it came to life. I got I got a digress again for the last time. We're going to wrap this up, guys. That, you know... um. One of uh, one of my favorite little fan channels on YouTube, Cinemassacre. I know you saw this. James Wolf released a video about Sly Stallone doing these really great quotes, and uh, that was really good. And you know, Sly Stallone, he's a very like he's an underrated actor. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, if you're on YouTube, look at the screen right now. I put a link on the screen. Check out this video someone made about Sly Stallone and his quotes in the movie industry. And I just thought everything he said here was on point. And I know people might think he's a meathead, that like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't know people. You don't really know what people have been through. And I just thought he had a lot of wisdom as a director. And hey, man, let's, let's wrap this shit up. This is Ants. This review definitely went all over the place. But <laughs> no, it, whatever. whatever. Basically, it's better than Bugs Life. That's it. We can settle Hell the 20-year yeah. debate. Hell if yeah. anybody was still on the fence, you know, like, which, which one is better? I don't know. Well, now you know. And guys, if you completely disagree, we'll be happy for you to write an essay and leave a comment down in the comment section below. Or better yet, tweet Simon at Simeon underscore <laughs> Tweet your long discussion Please, or rebuttal yes. on why Bugs Life is fucking awesome and how Ant, Ant Z is fucking <laughs> shit. There you go. You're learning now. Yeah. Ant yeah. Z. Get Ant, it? You need Ant to pay Z. attention. Ants in your fucking pants. <laughs> guys just get the hell out of here thanks for watching if you like the discussion of me and Simon just rambling on about these goddamn movies even the ones you don't want us to talk about like Ant Z let us know in the comments down below <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to us because we have a lot of fun doing this and if I didn't have fun doing this guys I would not be doing this so thanks for watching uh, subscribe to the channel leave a comment down below and we'll see you on the next recording where we're actually going to do the last movie in the 90s for Woody Allen which again is going to be a good one yeah, we got some more move Zs coming up. Yeah, absolutely. See you in the next one.